When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, everybody. This is Adriana Trajani. I'm the host of You Are What You Read. I have the privilege of interviewing luminaries of our times about the books that shaped them from childhood until now. We get everybody from Sarah Jessica Parker to Kristen Hanna, Mitch Albom, Susie Essman, Craig Ferguson, Rain Wilson, Amor Tolls, you name it, they come, they share. New episodes of You Are What You Read drop every Tuesday on Apple, Spotify, or any major streaming platform wherever you listen to your podcasts. Welcome to the family with Hackmaster Ralph W. Basham, MD. Alex Brampernard Rasmussen. And Andy Brampernard. A little news coming up next. Special guest in the second hour. Be right back with the family. Dougie, what's new at my favorite Nissan stores? Well, now that everybody's back from vacation, we can finally get to work. Yeah, easy there, gunpowder. Hey, at least you only took a week. Jayla was gone darn near a whole month. Poor Dan Rush. Anyway, we got some great things happening at Coon Rapids Nissan and Walzer Nissan in Burnsville. Read this, and you can add that cool DJ voice if you want to. It's 2020 closeout month at Burnsville and Coon Rapids Nissan. Giant discounts in 0% for 60 months on all remaining 2020s. You also get Walzer Care, a 10-year, 150,000-mile powertrain warranty for free. Ah, music to my ears. I love the sound of a good DJ in the morning. But wait, there's more. For the first time ever, you can get 0% for 60 months on the all-new 2021 Rogue. The 2021 Rogue is bigger, better, and faster than ever before. For more information on 0% interest on all these great vehicles, check out Coon Rapids Nissan and Walzer Nissan in Burnsville and tell them Tommy sent you. I'll just cut out the last bit. Michael Bryant, Brad Sean Bryant, what's the latest? Uh, we're just trying to represent people who have been injured through no fault of their own. We're trying to talk to them before they talk to an adjuster or before they take a settlement that isn't something they should get based upon their injuries. How many people are out there in different, not in the law business, that love to run around scaring people before you even get to them? Well, adjusters will want to settle cases right. and they want to close files. So based upon that, they do what they have to. Um, I think there's a lot of circumstances where they probably act as attorneys where they're not attorneys and they try yeah. to explain people's rights or they give them a certain view that if they look at it. And what I always say is this, if the adjuster really truly thinks the offer they made makes sense, they'd have them come see us. You know? And that's exactly my question is you have to understand who has the best your best interest in mind correct well you want to know what your rights are you know whether yep. or not you decide yep. you're going to hire us or not that's a choice it's a free consultation and you want to understand what your all your rights are and what coverages you have and plus the fact i hang out with you so you got to be a good guy <laughs> if i'm hanging out with you uh, maybe <laughs> uh, okay ladies and gentlemen michael bryant bradshaw and bryant started calling Dan my funky one lately. Well, yeah, you know, Doug Sprinthal is my funky one. That's Takes his wife personal. singing it, so. All right. No, he doesn't like being called my funky one? <laughs> no. If I called him that, I feel like he'd be like, are you saying I smell? Wes? <laughs> well, it's better than what this uh, this guy did. Writer Jakub Zolzik apparently violated article making it a crime to insult the head of state. 
You know what Jakub Zolzik called the president of Poland? What? Might face prison time for it. Oh, boy. You know what he called him? What did he call him? A, mor- a moron. <laughs> He's going to prison for that? For yes. calling the president a moron. He could go to prison. Mm. Yep. Ah, uh, Poland. Ah, <laughs> uh, Poland. There's no doubt about it. I just love that. The guy calls the president of Poland. Ah, you're a moron. <laughs> I wish we did more of that in the United States. Don't you? Not just, oh, you're an evil doer. Oh, my God, you're evil. Moron is better than evil. Evil's not funny. Moron is funny. That's true. Right? Yep. We got to lock this in, man. That's all I have to say. Just get your, get your stuff right. I, you know what's so funny is you look at, and you guys I know do the same thing, but you look at the news articles of the day. Is there any good news at all? Is there any good news in the world? No. Nope. This guy is going to prison because of the moron deal. 21-year-old charged in Boulder massacre. Staffer fired over lewd act at Aussie lawmaker's desk. He masturbated on the lawmaker's desk. Uh, someone bought a house for $500,000 but can only pretend to live there. I mean, it's just, man, there's a lot of bad news. Now, I gotta, uh, this is for all three of you. I want you to, ask, to answer this question for me. Okay. Is it, is it not true that if Biden gets his next package for $3 trillion, we're going to be three, $33 trillion in debt? Is that not right? I so, yes. Are we going to be able to overcome that? Because I don't see it happening, man. Uh, not for many, many decades. If many ever. decades. Yeah, we'll, we'll overcome what it. We but we're going. We got. We got some. We got us some inflation coming our way. Mm-hmm. Embrace yourself oh, for the ever? inflation oh. and the double-digit interest rates. Oh, double-digit interest inflation rates. Our taxes are going way up. I mean, these people are going to spend us into poverty. Yep. That's exactly what they're going to do. The people. It, it'll be just like. Cuba or Russia. Cuba is the best example I can think of because as soon as that prick took over at uh, Alfonso Ribeiro, what's his name? Alfonso Ribeiro. What's his no, name? What's quite. his name? Castro. Castro. There you go. Oh, Alfonso Ribeiro. Wow, whatever. <laughs> whatever was some Spanish name. I know that. But as soon as he took over, the first thing he did was come to America and tell everybody, oh, I love America. America is a wonderful place. Everybody says I hate America. I do not hate America. I absolutely love America. And then he went back to Cuba. And uh, to this day, everybody in Cuba makes about 20 bucks a month, which is where we're going to be if we don't stop these psychopaths from pissing away our entire lives the way they're doing it. Yeah. And I'm not pinning any one single party on this either. It's all these, it's all these politicians. Because if the, if the one side is screwing everything up and the other side is not fighting back with furor, then you're part of the problem. Right? Yep, that's right. But everybody wants this handout. Everybody wants their, wants their handout. Those college kids, they want that money to pay for their college. They don't want to pay off their loan themselves and work. No, they want it for free. They just want yeah. to get it paid off. So. Everything's free. And again, we talked about the fact that college has gone up, uh, what, like 85 times in the past 75 yeah. years. Oh, God, unbelievable. It's too bad because I, I, people think this, oh, this is actually good for What is good about this? Um, because I have had several people talk to me about because I made the statement. And now apparently Candace Owens made the statement yesterday on Fox. My opinion was, and I still believe it, and apparently so does Candace Owen, a black woman in America today, that all these people coming across the border right now 
are going to wipe out any interest in black people by politicians because your vote won't even matter anymore. Yeah, most likely. You're asking for trouble. Uh, you're gonna you're asking for real trouble if you let them do this to you. They're using black people to make money is what they're doing. It's disgusting. Yep. Would you argue that point? No. I, yeah, I, I would. I would agree with that point. And, argue, and the person who was a visionary in this was Malcolm X. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. He, he saw yep. that. He said, "Watch those liberals. They're using you. They're using you. Know, the, <laughs> the, the, the Republicans. They're racist. But you know, those other ones. They're, they're using you. They're just going to use you. The liberals are going to use you. That's exactly what That's he said. What I just he was to a certain extent. He was right. No, he absolutely was. Well, you know, to tell you the truth, at the end of his life, Malcolm X uh, kind of had it figured out. Instead of you know going shoulder to shoulder with idiots like." Uh, Al Sharpton and Jesse Jackson. I mean, those losers. And what's that psychopath's name at the Nation of Islam? Oh, Louis Farrakhan. What's his name again? Louis Farrakhan. Louis Farrakhan. I mean, Malcolm X had had... Well, that's why they say that Louis Farrakhan had had him killed. So I I assume that might be true. Yeah. You know? Some things are expensive. Some things, yeah. (laughs) He went with it again. Yeah. You went with it again. I just be really careful. And if you think those people are, are there to support you, uh, you better take a look at the at the numbers. Because once the Mexican vote, the Mexican immigrant vote passes you by, you're going to be no, you're going to be worthless to them. If I were look, you started with the Republican Party, and I'm not a big fan of the Republican Party either because they just stand there and let it happen. Don't get me wrong. But I would much rather, if I were black, be Republican than I would be Democrat. I just don't understand the point. I, I really don't. And I'm not saying you should be either. I still think you should start the uh, the African American Party of the United States. That's what I think you should do, or the or the People of Color Party, or something, where you could band together and just let these Republicans and, and Democrats twist in the wind. Yeah, right. Yeah, to a certain extent. See, because then if you do that, both parties are going to have to come to that third party, the People of Color Party, and say, hey, man, we need your vote. What can we do for you? They're going to both have to come to you for money instead of using you to get money. Yep. You like it? I like it. I like the idea. Well, People of Color Party, get it going. That's all I'm saying. Let some honkies in once in a while. You know what I'm saying. (laughs) That's right. You don't want to be racist racist about it because, you know, pink is a color. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> right? <laughs> well, was, yeah. What's his name? Uh, Johnny Winters. Johnny Winters. Pink's a color. Yep. <laughs> I love Johnny Winters. Absolutely. Let's do it now. Do it on four. I, 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 I love how he always counted down his songs. He's just like, still alive and well. One of the great songs oh, is he of really? all time, man. Oh, I do. No, no, he's not. That was one of his great songs. He's dead, but one of his great songs was called Still Alive and Well. God, it was a good song. Andy, could you play a little Still Alive? Seven years ago. Yeah, died a long time ago. I think Edgar's still alive, though. Uh, Yes, yes, he is. Yeah, I met Edgar a couple of years ago. Well, not a couple, several years ago now at uh, Rick Bourne's house. And I never did get to meet Johnny Winter. I saw him play once, and he kept stepping on the guitar cord and unplugging his guitar. Oops. And about the third time, time he did, it was one of those Les Pauls you plugged in from underneath instead of in the front. Oh, yeah. He unplugged his guitar like three times. and all, the th- After the third time, here's what you heard. You're, da 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 and then silence. And then, God damn it! <laughs> <laughs> it was fantastic. It was at the old Labor Temple. Guys, remember? Well, Andy and Alex wow. are too young to remember the label, Labor Temple, but it was a great place for for music. Jimi Hendrix actually, I believe, played at the Labor Temple once. Huh? That's how cool a place that was. But um, small venue. I don't know. 
Yeah, not a very big venue, but you know nobody knew who Jimi Hendrix was uh, you know, 1967. Yeah. Put out Are You Experienced? Great album. Great album, man. Not many I'm people saying. knew who the Rolling Stones were when they played over at Excelsior no. uh, Amusement Park. They played at the Excelsior Amusement Park. That's exactly right. And they claim that's where, uh, oh, what's that song? They claim it's about You can't always appearance. get what you want. You can't always get what you want, exactly. Yep, you can't always get what you want. It's supposed to be about Excelsior, Minnesota. It's true. Well, that's what they say. I don't know if it's true or not, but that's what they say. So well, they say Jimmy Jimmy lives there, and he gets a ticket to the Stones when they're in town every year. I mean, he was he was a, a somebody there that was they met at the with the coffee shop or bar or some such place. And yep, yep, that's what they say. Mister Jimmy, that's exactly right. No doubt about it, ladies and gentlemen. I uh, oh god, I see. This is what I just saw something. I might puke. I really might. Hmm. Jack Dorsey, now Jack Dorsey's the guy who owns Twitter. Mm-hmm. Jack Dorsey sells his first tweet for $2.9 million. Yeah, I don't know what that means. How do you sell a tweet? I don't know. How do yeah. you sell a tweet? I don't get it. Great question. Yeah, I heard about that, That's but I don't bill. really understand it. I don't either. But these people, I'm sorry, but we need to band together the Republicans, the Democrats, and the People of Color Party and storm the castle out there in Northern California. That's all I'm saying. These people are the pigs of the universe. It's never enough for these people. So, I don't know. But, you know, they're in bed now with one side of the party, and that's why they're just able to push people around the way they do. It's really not. What are you going to do, man? Go to Burning. Let's go to Burning Man. Yeah, there you go. Go to Burning Man. Uh, I do have to give one tip of the cap this morning, ladies and gentlemen. A police officer in America, of course, was killed in a supermarket shooting, left seven children behind. He was there to do his job, trying to protect the people. I believe ten people were shot. He was killed trying to save those people. He lost his life and seven children now no longer have a father because we know our politicians won't stop talking about Oh, just get out there and do it. We don't have bail anymore. Don't worry about it. You shouldn't even be arrested. Yep. You are driving people to violence. What are you doing? I don't understand. Alex, Andy, you're the, that age. What sense does any of that make? Well, they want this violence because they're banking on it. They're banking on using white supremacy to f- make people afraid to control them. They're banking on making them afraid of guns to control them. They're banking on making them afraid to go outside to control them. They want this. Yeah, they do want this. Alex, what do you think? I I don't know. That was really clear. (laughs) Very insightful, I know. Very insightful. Now, what what age are Generation X? What what when does that age begin? Uh, sixty five, sixty six to the I think like eighty or eighty five, something like that. Oh, no, those because, are boomers. No, that's bo- boomer no, is the are, immediately after World War Two. That's why yeah, there was two sixty four. I think. Yeah. I think to from see, from forty five to sixty four. Uh, yeah, sixty five to eighty. Sixty five days, Gen X. Mm-hmm. Because it was just an announcement made this morning, ladies and gentlemen, if any group is going to save America, it's going to be Gen X. Hmm. What do you think of that? Well, there you go. Well, where are they? That's what I want. I where know. are they? Really? Good question. What are they up to? What's going on? Step up. How so? Do I don't know. I don't know. I'm just trying. I try to follow the news. Maybe. Does anybody tell the truth anymore? No. But but they do control a huge amount of money. I mean, that's that is true. Too huge oh, block yeah. of money. That's uh, the thing. But so, 
But what? But the biggest block of money is controlled by people over 55 years old. Yeah. Okay. Did you see that? 700 and, excuse me, $233 trillion in assets. People 55 and older control $233 trillion in assets. That doesn't That's a seem lot of money, possible. man. That's what they say. I don't know. I didn't do the math. That's what they're talking. I mean, it's no yep. kajillion like what the Democrats have in the Vatican. Right. But exactly. Democrats. Absolutely. Democrats right. have in the Vatican? That's what QAnon people think, that the Democrats filter money through the Vatican and they've kept kajillions of dollars. Well, Wait even if you split $233 trillion among everyone in the entire country, that would be 706000 per person. So I think, I'm there thinking probably go. not. No, but you think of the average house now, it's about four hundred grand right there. Oh, but if that was just people over 55, I mean, that yeah. would be like, that would mean the average person over 55 is worth like $2 million. And I don't so it should think be. that's true. I don't know, that's what they claim. That's what they claim. We got to take a break here because Dr. Lucille Burbank's going to come on and we're going to talk about some Sesame Street and all kinds of great stuff right after this with the family. Tom here for Shift Real Estate. I met the folks from Shift Real Estate last year on our way to Key West and loved their story. Shift Real Estate saves home sellers thousands of dollars on real estate fees because they list for a flat fee of $5,000 and that includes photos, MLS listing, online marketing, and the assistance of a full-time realtor. Tell Shift about your home and they will tell you how you can save $10,000 or more. Shift Real Estate, the common sense way to sell your home. Visit shift2sell.com because life is expensive enough. There are definitely things to avoid during a Minnesota winter, like licking a flagpole or waiting too long to replace that car battery. But number one on the list is taking a chance on your furnace. Hey, Tom here for Sabre Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning, reminding you that a furnace clean and tune will improve efficiency, reliability, and peace of mind. Or maybe it's time to take advantage of Sabre's rebates and upgrade to an energy-efficient Bryant system. Don't take chances on your comfort. Visit SabreHeating.com. Sabre and Bryant. Whatever it takes. Northern Metal Fab right off the interstate in Baldwin, Wisconsin is a custom job shop specializing in large-scale projects. Northern Metal Fab is now hiring for all positions, including welders, painters, and inspectors, to provide quality craftsmanship to their customers. Northern Metal Fab is growing, and their growth is your opportunity. Northern Metal Fab offers competitive pay, excellent benefits, and more. Apply online today at nmfinc.com. That's nmfinc.com. Northern Metal Fab is an equal opportunity employer. We're rocking out, man. That's all I have to say. We got the 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 high hat. Is it the high hat or the top hat? I forgot. It was something. High hat. High hat. I was a drummer until I was 19, but that was a long time ago. It was. Long, long time ago. Is Dr. Burbank ready to go? It went right to voicemail, so I gave her our call-in number, and she'll hopefully call whenever she gets that message. Hey, give us a call right now. <laughs> That's what I said. That's exactly how Andy sounded. That did not sound Oh, like you her. did? Did you do that to me? Hey, call in right now, Miss Piggy. Because <laughs> uh, so I, I, I do want to talk to her about the fact that Sesame Street has kind of taken a, a cancel culture beating because they think, you know, like Miss Piggy having a woman be a pig, they don't really like that, or a pig be a woman, I guess. Mm. Uh, there are a lot of things apparently about Sesame Street, but we're not, I'm not going to talk to her at length about that because she's here to talk about the posit, positive aspects. Well, she's you guys watched Sesame Sesame Street when you uh, were kids, didn't you? 
Yeah, that was yeah. so long ago. I barely remember anything oh, about yeah. it. Everybody's watched, like, yeah. Yeah. How long has ancient Sesame history been on? Uh, pro- since the '60s, I think. Yeah. '69. There you go. Okay. 1969, the year I was supposed to graduate from high school. That's the year it came out. That's all I'm saying. I remember uh, because I've seen pictures of the original broadcasts of Sesame Street, and everyone looks very late 60s, early 70s. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I could see that. They all yes. look like they came straight off the laugh-in set. Yeah. Yeah, I could see that. I could see that making sense. But I, d- uh, I just remember the uh, Muppets on Saturday Night Live. Oh yeah. Yep. Oh, the, yeah. That was, That's where. What's the? Burp, 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 burp. The mighty drummer's name again? Oh, drummer. Uh, animal. animal. Oh, animal. animal. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> it was animal. Yeah, that's right. Animal. I loved Sesame Street. You guys used to watch it. We sit around and watch it. I, I loved it. I thought it was wonderful, and it, and, and it did. You know, I think. Uh, well, here this is from Dr. Lucille Burbank. Back in 1969, when the show launched, this was an amazing feat, and the formula for success has lasted for more than half a century. My, my book takes a nostalgic look at uh, you know at the whole shooting match. It just uh, there's so many positive things about it. it. Takes a nostalgic look at the whole shooting match. <laughs> no, it's a, I'll tell. I read what it says. Are you ready? You want to you hear what it says? Because I don't pre-read anything. I never pre-read oh, I think I see what text. happened. It's, yeah, it's, uh, the bio is yeah. a little broken. My it book says, takes a nostalgic look at the Dr. Burbank, whose book is a Mom's Choice Award. What? Winner. That's why you filled <laughs> in with... It just ends with the... Yeah, that's why you filled the, in with shooting the whole shooting there. match. <laughs> oh, well. Exactly. Because there's nothing there at all. Oh but what the hell? What are you going to do? It all works out in the end. But, yeah, you know, since it doesn't look like Dr. Burbank's going to be on, yeah, uh, I, uh, Dr. Burbank, whose book is a no, – that's all right. I can give her another call in, like – I'll try again at 1245 maybe. Hopefully it'll ring this time. Uh, what time did this segment start? Like 39? Uh, what, what have we been doing? We've been going for three minutes. So, yeah, just about. Yeah, 29. So it would uh, – or 39, excuse me. So we should be out by 55 anyway. So why don't you try reaching her at 55 for the last segment or whatever? Okay. Because I don't want to have to break right after the first five minutes she's on. Yeah. And if she call, I mean, if she calls in, that's fine. But you know, we can call her at 55 if you want. Right. Uh, Sesame Street not only entertains millions of children, it educates them, says author Dr. Lucille Burbank. Back in 1969, when the show launched, this was an amazing feat, and the formula for success has lasted for more than half a century. My book takes a look at la. Uh, the whole shoot and match. There's a, the whole shoot match again. There it is. <laughs> what made Sesame Street a wildly successful show and why it's still needed today? Because it had a sense of humor, because it included all people. There were white people, uh, brown people, black people, Asian people. There are all kinds of people on that show, uh, which I thought was great. The challenges the show in its early days had to overcome. That's what I really want to talk to Dr. Burbank about, the challenges that it faced. Because there were, I do remember there being quite a few. Well, Miss Piggy, what, what, what was it that... Miss Piggy's not a Muppet. Miss Piggy's not. I mean, not, not a Sesame Street character. Yeah, no, I thought she was she's on. A, she's a Muppet. Oh. Well, she's I thought Sesame they Street. were Muppets on Sesame Street. They are. Street. Me- they're all Jim Henson people, but the Muppets are not on Sesame Street. No, yeah. except for oh, Kermit. Okay. Kermit's, 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 Kermit's on, not on Sesame yeah, Street. Yeah, no, that's that's all. Oh. That's all the Muppets. Yeah. Really? Oh, mm-hmm. It's all in so the Muppets. That you cancel the Muppets, so yeah. there is nothing to cancel. What? I think Sesame Street yeah, like has for a long time. I think Sesame Street was one of like the inclusive, yeah, like at the forefront, yeah, of inclusivity because they, right, right. I know. I just yep. saw a really cute thing that a mom um, wrote 
yesterday, and she has an autistic son. And she was like, we were out in public, and I heard this little girl say to her grandmother, that boy's silly. I want to go play with him. And then the grandma said, okay, but just be gentle. And then she said, I know, I saw on Sesame Street. Mm. Like, because Sesame Street, <laughs> Sesame Street has an autistic character. Aww. A nonverbal artistic well, character. And she's like, and then she just goes up and plays with my spinning nonverbal aut- autistic son because of, like, she knows on Sesame Street not to be afraid of him. Exa- and that's the See, same thing with great. Dr. Seuss. The, the whole point. Yep. This was inclusivity. Yep. This was trying to get rid of differences in color, trying to wipe those things away, try to heal that sort of stuff. Get Move on. You know, like Why? the Lorax and stuff? Yeah. I don't know. It's I. Interestingly enough, I was... On Target.com, looking for um, children's books for the kids' Easter baskets, because they usually give them each a book for every holiday. And there were the first 30 were all Dr. Seuss books that popped up. If I just looked, searched Mm. children's books, it was all Dr. Seuss books. And I was like, are they trying to get rid of them? Like for sale on Target. Oh, it was God. just. I was oh like, yeah. Are they, yes. Yeah. Are they trying to purge them? Why is it all Doctor no. Seuss books? Because that's what people are buying. People are buying those things at very high dollar values they too. Are. Weird. Yeah, they are indeed. They just want to want to. I love Doctor Seuss. I see. I never saw the monkey one or anything. I I don't know what the hell the monkey one even is. I've I never s- seen it. I saw the um, drawings that everybody is upset about, and they are bad. They are. And what yes. was the point of them? They're very bad to just be a dick, I think. I don't know. Oh, really? It just, seems so. I, yeah. What do you mean the monkey drawing? What do they you look know, what like? Monkey I, they were, no, they, it was um, black people, but they were lined up and they looked like they had human bodies, but monkey, like big ears and big, like monkey mouths. And then it said, you know, like N word for sale, blah, blah, blah. What? Yeah. That sounds fake. No, I'm t- like, it was the original. Yeah, you can find yeah. it online. Mm, I'm skeptical. Yeah. I'm very skeptical. Dr. Seuss? I've never even heard of it. I he mean, said he, one of the sweetest things ever. He's He drew World War II propaganda. Dr. Burbank is calling you. I disagree. Dr. Well, there you go. You've got the wrong number, apparently. Could okay. we call Dr. Burbank then? If she is calling, why don't you try calling her? Okay. That would be a good thing. Thank you, Andre. Andre. Andrew. Andre. Yes. You can't say anybody. Andre. You can say Andre, Trevin. Andrew, or Andy, but Andrea. Andre. Trevin. Yes, Trevin. Andre the Giant. Andre the Giant. Yeah, that's the Giant. That's like whenever I read the kids' books that we are like super familiar with, I always mispronounce a bunch of words just to see if they'll notice. And they're like, "What? That's wrong. What are you doing?" Well, I don't even. I don't even read <laughs> the books. I don't even read the books. Oh, really? I don't my have my glasses. I get the I get the book out. We oh, the, I, 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 my I make kids it up. would be like, "What are you doing? Those I, aren't the words." I sing. I sing the book. I made a whole new book. They get a whole new book when I oh, read it. Remember, yeah. a new book every I, time. My my kids. If I miss a word, they're like, "Uh, no." They know them by heart. Lucille is on. Excellent. Dr. Lucille Burbank, ladies and gentlemen, the inside secrets of Sesame Street. It is available on Amazon. Dr. Burbank, we've been going down the descriptor because uh, this family loves Sesame Street. Always has. Well, that is wonderful. And uh, so many people love Sesame Street. (laughs) 
They do. Now, I, I, just, just to get it out of the way, we don't have to spend a lot of time on this, but just to get it out of the way, Sesame Street's not having the same problems that, uh, that some people have with the Muppets. Are they, even though they're all Muppet characters, or I, I guess Jim Henson characters, Sesame Street doesn't have a lot of problems with the cancel culture people, do they? Um, you know, oh my gosh, wait a minute, we're getting, um, okay, are you still there? Yeah, we're here. Okay, because I was just getting another uh, call in. Um, you know, it's, uh, I don't think so. It's, Good. It's, it's a little bit overstated, and um, we just want to look at it carefully, but I'm sure if there was something that was a few, the workshop creators of Sesame Street would, would correct it right away. I think so. We were just talking, uh, Dr. Burbank, about the fact that uh, my wife is not here today, but our son, who is uh, 35 years old, and well, you will be 35 years old in October, and our daughter, who's just a couple years younger than that, we were just talking about watching Sesame Street all, all the way back with them when, when they were little kids. Dr. Basham's with us. He was watching with his kids. But this has been their whole life, which is wonderful, I think. It is wonderful because, you know, when you grow up with children's television and good children's television like Sesame Street, it makes an impact and you remember it and it helps you grow in a healthy way. No, I had no question about that. Uh, why do you think it is? Because we're talking about some inclusivity at a very early time, whether it be, you know, male, female, skin color, uh, people with accents, people without accents. What made Sesame Street a wildly successful show? And, and, and we do need it today. What was the thing that caught people immediately? Well, it really is the appeal of the Muppets. Um that their characters and their characterizations. And, of course, you know, when you develop um, characterizations, they appeal to adults and to children alike. Uh, the celebrities on the show um, are wonderful. James Earl Jones and Burt Lancaster would make people, make uh, adults, um, the parents stop, as well as the children with their presence. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's, it made learning fun. I mean, keepers. Uh, before that time, learning was a little bit uh, dull, didactic. And this way, it combined entertainment and education expertly with, um, with the help of their research. And it just made learning fun. And so the kids could enjoy learning and not think of it as a hardship. Isn't that wonderful? See, I, I just think that's absolutely fantastic. We are just talking about uh, just yesterday, as a matter of fact, by coincidence, that um, homework. They were talking about homework, you know, during the COVID-19 crisis and all the rest of it. And when you get back to school, they're still going to have a... I didn't know homework was invented to impress parents. Because when the kid came home and just played, and they said they invented homework. You had to do work at home to show your parents that the school was teaching you something. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I always thought of homework as practicing what you learn during the day. Which, right, um, right, exactly. <laughs> yes, exactly is right. And, and Sesame Street really went into um, 
repeating certain things. Uh, repetition is a key factor in learning. And so it was doing repetition in all sorts of creative ways. And practicing is really powerful. Uh, much more powerful, I think, than all of us realize. And that came out of the workshop, too. I can see. Now, I got and I cannot remember, and I'm sorry about that, but I think it was on Sesame Street, but I'm not sure because it was a Jim Henson character. But the Count was one of my favorite characters that Jim Henson ever did because <laughs> he literally would count. I loved it. Well, you know what's so great about the Muppets and the Count is they can do things that people cannot do. The Count can <laughs> count grains of sand, and you can't imagine a live actor uh, doing that. <laughs> or the Cookie Monster could sell his soul to the devil for a cookie. And, you know, you really can't have an adult uh, role model doing that. So um, it worked out beautifully. And, and the Muppets served as such a great avenue for the writers to expand their imagination and to be able to teach shapes or numbers or letters in all sorts of creative ways and humorous ways, too. These Muppets are charming. They're vital. You know, mm-hmm. they're vital. You know, the vitality of them, uh, their appealing because of their characterizations. And so, yes, uh, they are wonderful. And so, is, uh, so the Count is your favorite Muppet? I love the Count. I just, uh, they just said, one, one Christmas tree. <laughs> I just loved it. I absolutely loved it. Yeah, <laughs> Got the you fake know accent. That- <laughs> It is wonderful. You know, that presence when the Count would, and you so beautifully did it. Um, I, I can't copy the Count Thank like you. you did. But that presence, and then you have James Earl Jones coming on the show. Yeah. And yep. with his presence and counting or saying the alphabet, we called that the James Earl Jones effect. Because oh, everybody, yeah, tried to emulate it. No, no, I remember I, I, I interviewed James Earl Jones several years ago, and I have a pretty deep voice myself, but it was one of these kind of deals. It went just like this. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome our special guest, James Earl Jones. How are you doing, Tom? I'm like, whoa! <laughs> That's quite the voice there, James. Pardon me. <laughs> that is beautiful. And did you know that um, how Oscar the Grouch got his voice? No. Okay, okay, Carol Spinney, who played Big Bird, the late Carol Spinney, Mm -hmm. who played Big Bird for over 46 years, he also played Oscar the Grouch. All right, so he could get Big Bird's voice, no problem, three octaves higher, he was fine. But he was down to the wire going to the rehearsal with Jim Henson to do Oscar the Grouch, and he still didn't have his voice. So he goes running to get a cab, and the cab driver, and again, you can do this better than I can, but the cab driver goes and Oscar, the Grouch's voice, where to Mac? And Spinney is going, oh my gosh. And so <laughs> he's copying, where to Mac? Where to Mac? And this cab driver is going on about Lindsay is wrecking the city, and he has a... <laughs> yep, a cigar, he's chewing on a cigar on the side of his mouth, and, and Carol Speed's going, this is it, this is it. 
and he's on his way to the rehearsal, so he memorizes where to max. He gets to the rehearsal, and Jim Henson says, well, how do you want to do this? He says, let's put Oscar in the trash can. You knock on the trash can. Jim does that, and sure enough, Benny came up with Oscar the Grouch's voice. That is magnificent. And that Uh, is how it was developed. No royalties for the cab driver. (laughs) Oh, no, he didn't even know, probably. To this day, he probably didn't know it's him. Oh, I um, know, I know, but I hope maybe he heard. <laughs> I don't know. I hope. Dr. Burbank, can you, you know, stay with us for another segment? If I take a very short break, can you stay another segment? Sure, I would love to. Magnificent. Be back in just a couple of minutes with Dr. Lucille Burbank. The book is called The Inside Secrets of Sesame Street. It's available on Amazon and everywhere. Right back with Dr. Burbank. Dan Chesky is here from Dan Southside Marine to talk boats in February. 2021 is all about boat inventory or the lack thereof. Dan's has what you're looking for in the color and model you want. So get in and take advantage of the factory incentives and discounts February offers. Why should our listeners shop for a fishing boat at Dan's Southside Marine? We have the latest models on display, like the new Revolution. It features rotational seating from Premier Marine and the new Lumacraft FSX crossover fish and ski. Both are getting tons of attention and grabbing sales from the competition. Dan's Southside Marine is packed with pontoons from Avalon, Berkshire, and Premier with all the rebates and incentives we mentioned at the top. Get the family out this weekend and come see these amazing pontoons. And be sure to ask about custom-rigged Alumacraft fishing boats this weekend at Dan Southside Marine during our February open house. Dan Southside Marine, six blocks west of 35W on 98th Street in Bloomington. Shop online at dansouthsidemarine.com. Tom Bernard here with John Schwartz, co-owner with brother Joe of AAA Movers, local and family-owned since 1964. John, can you break down your triple guarantee for our friends that are listening? I was afraid you were going to ask me that, Tom, but here goes just the same. There's our price guarantee. We don't play games with our price quotes like the other guys. There's our safety guarantee. Your health and safety of items is our number one concern. And our satisfaction guarantee. Bottom line, we're not satisfied with your move until you are. Is there a free thing guarantee? Of course. Mention Tom Bernard or KQ, and you'll get a free moving box kit with every move. And you'll save 50 bucks off junk removal with junk luggers. Ladies and gentlemen, your move is always triple guaranteed with triple A movers. That's our price guarantee, safety guarantee, and satisfaction guarantee. Call 612-588-MOVE or online at aaamovers.com. Triple A movers. You may not move every day, but they do. We are back, ladies and gentlemen. Dr. Lucille Burbank, the book is called The Inside Secrets of Sesame Street. It's available on Amazon. Sesame Street not only entertains millions of children, it educates them, says author Dr. Lucille Burbank. Back in 1969 when the show launched, this was an amazing feat, and the formula for success has lasted for more than half a century, which is great news. You also talk, uh, Dr. Burbank, in your book about why we need a show like Sesame Street, which caters to preschoolers, to address the needs and challenges of 8- to 12-year-olds. What's that all about? Yeah, well, you know, um, they have their issues, too. It, it's kind of like 7- to 12-year-olds, I'm thinking now. Um, they have their issues. Uh, we have to address bullying, uh, tolerance, 
And some of the other things they're dealing with, like the plethora of online um, media and being online and, and the plethora of media. And so there's a lot of, and they're coming into their own uh, during this time. And I think it would just be great, just like we have inspired and taught preschoolers, it would be a good idea to address that older age range, too. Yeah, I think that's, uh, you, you bring up in your book how Sesame Street confronts huge issues like gender identity, bullying, war, racism, all that. Children's shows used to run away from that at top speed, but now they actually address it. Probably very healthy, I would think. Yes, it is very healthy. You know, when I interviewed um, Fred Rogers from Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood, he said, what we need are more honest adults, Lucille. And so when Mr. Hooper, do you remember uh, Will Lee? who played uh, the uh, storekeeper, uh, Mr. Hooper's mm-hmm. store. And mm-hmm. when he died after 12 years being on the show, the, the workshop said, hey, we're not going to say he's gone on vacation. We're not going to say he's retired. We're going to face death and Ooh. really teach preschoolers about it. And I was so excited that they were being so honest and this was a new affective area usually they do the cognitive the numbers shapes and so forth but and classifying and sorting but this was effective and they were starting to go there and norman styles who i worked with was the head writer and he wrote a script that won the emmy and peabody award and it was beautiful um, if you have some time, I can just go into it a little bit or, absolutely. or go on to something else. Okay. No, absolutely. Okay. We have the time. Absolutely. Oh, great. Okay. So Big Bird's there and Big Bird is pretending to be an artist and he's drawing the pictures of the, uh, of his friends, of his neighbors, of Maria and Gordon and Bob and of course, Willie or Mr. Hooper. And he says, well, Where's Mr. Hooper? I want to give him his picture. And Maria says, don't you remember, Big Bird? Don't you remember we told you he died? Oh, and Big Bird says, oh, I'll give him his picture when he comes back. And then Bob comes forward and says something like, you know, when a person dies, they never come back. And Big Bird stops and looks and is really getting the feel for what's happened here. And he says, never, never, never. And uh, there were tears in everybody's eyes. And they did this um, segment uh, um, the first time. And, you know, Willie was loved so much. He was the grandfather figure on the show. And... um, Now the preschoolers were learning about death, and then we went on to some other affective matter. As time went on, Sesame Street acquired more um, emotional, um, affective uh, material, as well as, of course, the cognitive, the shapes and numbers and classification and so forth was always at the forefront, but um, they were also doing some other uh, material. 
or content. And that was an example of one of them. Yeah, I, see, I think that's a magnificent story. I just love that. How it all comes together. Andy and Alex. Now, Andy, who you know, and he's about to turn turn thirty five at the uh, at the end of the year here. Um, he doesn't remember it as well as Alex, our daughter, uh, who's thirty two. Now, Alex, do you think just the fact that you're three years younger, that have been around longer, that is that why you remember most of it? I just well, it's yeah, you know, it depends. But um, really. What they were finding with the, the preschoolers, which is why it was so exciting for them to develop Sesame Street and have television finally reach its potential, is that the mind is rapidly developing when you're a preschooler, when you're young. You're soaking up information at a tremendous fast rate, and this is why they decided um, to go there, because there were a lot of poverty uh, children who could not go to preschool and uh, this way they could watch Sesame Street get their preschool education when they were most able to soak up everything and yes it could be and and also you know um, girls females and males are different it could be um, but three years could make a difference um, in the memory, because of the the rapid uh, speed with which the brain develops as you're very young, it, it's tremendous. By the way, yeah, no question. Andy, Alex, you have any questions? Ralph, you got any? I don't want to hog up the whole interview here, but I mean, you guys were huge fans of that show when you were little. Yeah, well, it's it's so interesting that the there's so much uh, emotional education. It was, it, it, this idea of not just. Um, Maybe it's not just literal. It, it not I wouldn't say literal education, but not just uh, traditional education, but all this idea of emotion and other life uh, happenings that pe- that children can get a sense of. They take away what they can understand, but they can't understand everything about death and things like that. But to address it that way and to also show a bit of emotion associated with it, because if you had grandma or grandpa and they died, everybody was crying or was upset, and as a maybe a preschooler, that might be something, yeah, well, what's going on here? Why is everybody upset? And that gave them a framework to try to understand that, which is a wonderful, I think just a beautiful thing. And that's why mm-hmm. that show has been uh, enduring, uh, endearing, and has been um, so so accepted. Yeah, it really, it's called an experimental program because each year it was experimenting with different subject matter and ways to present it to preschoolers. And um, so, you know, that experimental air and that can-do air and, and getting television to reach its potential. You know, when it was developed in 1969, man had walked on the moon, um, but television was... was kind of a wasteland and children's television we had Peggy Sharon coming on with action for children's television and then the sergeant uh, general went there with a book on violence in, in TV and the workshop said hey let's do something there's a need here there's a need for a high quality program to show everybody that um, as well as helping the preschoolers 
get a head start in education to show everybody the potential of uh, good, high-quality television. And children's television especially wasn't always high-quality, but that's why they went there. So so you, uh, are you pretty much saying that soupy sales just wasn't wasn't worth it? Just didn't carry the, <laughs> carry the water. <laughs> <That's nice. laughs> carry the water that Sesame Street carries. Well, you know, um, it's just, I'm not really comparing any show because um, that wouldn't be fair, but I would say, I can say unequivocally that Sesame Street aimed for high quality. Um, I'm sure Soupy Sales aimed for certain things, and maybe it's high quality, but I'm not going to... I'm not going to go there, guys. Yeah, but, Love but, it. but we had Romper Love Room. It. Romper Room. Uh, we had. Oh, uh, yeah. Mr. Well, Green. they took off. Uh, yeah, they didn't like Romper Room. That had to change because learning was too didactic with Romper Room. Right. <laughs> and and but Mr. Green Jeans, they, they they had they had some of the the shows were there, but they were uh, I think at a different level of sophistication with regards to the education piece to it. Well, you know, Captain Kangaroo was really a precursor to the curriculum on Sesame Street because Bob Peachin, and I interviewed him, the creator of Captain Kangaroo, really believed that a child could needed education and could um, understand anything if it was explained on their level with a certain vocabulary and so forth. So he did a lot of teaching on his show, and it's interesting, but the people, the creators of Sesame Street all worked on Captain Kangaroo initially. They were trained there. They worked on Captain Kangaroo, and yes, I know, I found that out too, so that when I was interviewing the three shows, I had to interview Captain Kangaroo, Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood, and Sesame Street. I can just talk to the executive producer, Dave Cano, about um, Sesame Street and also Captain Kangaroo because he worked there. What a great story that is. That's wonderful. It is. I know. I I was so, it was so funny. So um, what they did is all, what they did, they took what they learned from Captain Kangaroo and, and during those times, they were trained. They had training and practice. And anyway, they took what they learned from Captain Kangaroo and they made a formal curriculum um, on Sesame Street from their experience with the other show. That is so terrific. Yeah, you know, one of the great thrills of my life, Dr. Burbank, many, many, many years ago, like three decades ago, Captain Kangaroo was on my morning show that I do. Bob Keeshan ah. was his real name. And he came on my morning show, and just hearing Captain Kangaroo say, well, good morning, Tom. What a thrill that was for me, I'll tell you. He was, had a, a beautiful presence. I remember talking oh, yeah. to oh, yeah. Dave Cono, the executive producer of Sesame Street, about Captain Kangaroo and his presence. And how he could just empty his pockets, which is where Kangaroo came from, the big pockets. And he could just play with these toys, wind them up, put them down, and mesmerize his audience. And he, you know, um, what's also interesting, 
Do you know that Bob Keeshan, the creator of Captain Kangaroo, was Clarabelle the Clown on Howdy Doody? Right. Yes, I did yeah. know that. So, ah, from that experience, story. sure, from that experience, he said, I don't want to exploit kids. I don't want to, you know, have them so uh, excited that they can't learn and so forth. He said, I want to go there at a slower pace, a gentle pace, and I want to do something different. And that's why Captain Kangaroo was born. Dr. Lucille Burbank, the book is called The Inside Secrets of Sesame Street. It is available on Amazon and everywhere. Dr. Burbank, a terrific guest. What a joy talking to you. Thank you for your time today. Thank you so much. It was my pleasure. Have a good day. Bye-bye. You too. Bye-bye. What a sweetheart. Now, who does she sound like, Alex? Betty White. Maud. Oh, yeah. No. Oh, totally. No. Yeah. What? Oh, God, what? yes. What? Oh, yeah. Well, Maud is, like Maud is almost like a woman doing a falsetto. Maud sounds yeah. like this. Uh-huh. <laughs> that woman did not sound like she Maud She sounded at all. like Maud with a much deeper voice. Yeah. Well, that's true. She sounded like a New Yorker person. Jones, Maud. There you go. Yeah. yeah there there you go. Go. My name is Maud. <laughs> um, by the way, Dr. Basham, I heard you thinking this word twice when she said it. Both times I heard you thinking, it's plethora. A plethora. <laughs> what did she right. say? Plethora? Plethora. Oh, plethora. well. <laughs> well she was so sweet. sweet. I loved her. She was a terrific person. Dr. Lucille Burbank, great memory. But seriously, I, I don't think I've ever even told you kids that because you were so tiny when it was. But hearing Do- Captain Kangaroo say, well, good morning, Tom. Mm-hmm. It was so, it was just my heart raced because I just That's loved sweet. Captain Kangaroo and I was a little yeah. boy. Man. Yeah, it was, a, it, oh. was a, it was a great show. I think it's a great character. And uh, yeah, and, and it's interesting that she talked about <laughs> how do duty. They were just they were just whipping kids up into a frenzy. Yeah. With that oh, show. God, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. <laughs> All right, man, that's going to do it. I thought it was a hell of a good show. Thank you so much. Andy, when we disconnect, uh, once we're, we're off the air, would you hop back on it? Because i got to ask you a question. Mm-hmm. Not a big deal. Uh, but, yeah, so we'll talk to you tomorrow with the family.